This is the Chamber Chat Podcast, the show dedicated to chamber professionals to spark ideas and to get actionable tips and strategies to better serve your members and community. Hello, Chamber Champions. Welcome to the Chamber Chat Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Burton, and it's my goal here on the podcast to introduce you to people and ideas to better help you serve your chamber members and your community. Our title sponsor is Community Matters, Inc. With nearly 20 years in the chamber industry and over 100 media awards presented to their chamber partners, Community Matters provides the R&R that every chamber needs, revenue and recognition. When it comes to publishing a chamber map, directory, or community guide, Community Matters has the trusted experience to help your chamber accomplish your goals. With different advertising sales models and publication styles, Community Matters will help you create a non-dues revenue machine. Let's hear from Becky Womble, President and CEO of the Bastrop Chamber, to hear about her experience using Community Matters. I've been using Community Matters for probably six or seven years now. And um, in a previous life, I sold commercial printing. So I can highly recommend Community Matters because it's a complete turnkey job for any busy chamber exec. Um, Basically, you give them a membership list. And from there, they contact your members and it's no high pressure sales or anything. And it really is a complete turnkey job from start to finish. And it's a wonderful, beautiful printed product whenever you're finished. And I just, I'm very sold on Community Matters. And with a printing background, I just, big endorsement for me. To learn how Community Matters can support your chamber with your next publication, please visit communitymattersinc.com slash podcast to request your free media kit and request a proposal to find out what kind of non-dues revenue you can generate. Our guest for this episode is Mark Field. Mark is the Senior Vice President of Membership at the Knoxville Chamber and has been since 2004. Mark oversees investor development and relations, events and programming, marketing and communications. He previously was the uh, vice president of development for the initial group and East Tennessee provider owned managed healthcare network. He has over 35 years of experience in sales and marketing, and he's been very involved with several boards throughout the community as he's an active member of his community. Uh, He is a 2011 graduate of uh, Leadership Knoxville. He graduated Southeast Institute in 2009 past chair of the U.S. Chamber Southeast Institute Board of Regents, member of the Board of Trustees for the U.S. Chamber Institute. And Mark is married to Vicki. He has two stepchildren and seven grandchildren. But Mark, I'm excited to have you with us today on Chamber Chat Podcast. I'd love to give you an opportunity to say hello to all the Chamber champions that are out there listening and share something interesting about yourself so we can get to know you a little better. Yeah. Hello, everyone. It's great to be on the podcast, Brandon. Thank you so much for the opportunity, and I hope everyone's having a great day. Um, Something interesting about me. So a lot of people might not know that for about seven years, uh, I was on the competition barbecue circuit. Um, And so uh, I still love to cook barbecue, obviously, uh, because of that. Uh, It got a little bit more time consuming than I had originally anticipated and a little bit more cost prohibitive uh, than than I had anticipated as as barbecue became more popular. And and, uh, but anyway, that's that's something that I used to do a little bit of and still like to cook. So that's that's uh, something that a lot of people uh, don't know about me. 
All right. So I have to ask, I'm in Texas now. I spent some time in South Carolina, grew up in California. Barbecue is different everywhere. What is barbecue yeah. like in Tennessee? You know, our, our barbecue really kind of takes a lean from from uh, both Kentucky and from uh, Georgia and Memphis. Uh, you know, we Knoxville, Tennessee, you know, kind of sits in the middle. A lot of people like the Memphis dry rub uh, for ribs. And a lot of people like the more Georgia sweet and tangy style for their pulled pork uh, sauces. So, and then of course the great vinegar based sauce uh, from Kentucky and and North Carolina, or you know, have a big influence here as well. So we're we're a little bit of a melting pot on on what kind of barbecue people like in this region. Yeah, you get the best of all of it. I didn't yeah. hear any brisket in there, but you know, you get the the best of it. <laughs> well, you know, it's kind of funny, Brandon. The very first brisket I cooked. Uh, was a cross between uh, what I would say a hockey puck and a conveyor belt, uh, <laughs> but but I learned I learned and so now it's pretty good and I don't I really don't like any sauce on my brisket I I really just like my brisket uh, I'm I'm a purist on that yeah we may need to talk offline I've got a good lead for you <laughs> on a rub so right. um, well tell us a little bit more about the Knoxville Chamber just to give us an idea of size uh, staff budget scope of work things you're involved with just to kind of give us an idea yeah. to set the table for our discussion yeah gosh the Knoxville Chamber has been around since 1869 we're, we're an old organization uh, old established organization our community started as the Knoxville Board of Trade uh, you know, and and I would say just like any chamber, we've we've been through a lot of evolution, um, uh, you know, do very well in our community, uh, have about 1900 investors. Um, you know, our penetration rate, I'm going to say somewhere around 10 to 15 percent of the businesses in our marketplace. Uh, so for a large community, that's about standard for the industry, I think. Uh, we have 27 employees, uh, some interns and some fellows. Uh, uh, as well. So around 30 folks in the office on and off. Uh, we do economic development uh, as well as as investor services, investor relations. And uh, uh, we also house the downtown Knoxville Association. And uh, we have the U.S. Department of Commerce and our Tennessee Small Business Development Center are all in one office. So there's about 50 of us in the office, but chamber wise, we're at about 30 uh, uh, associates. All right. Well, there's plenty of work there to keep those 30 associates yeah, busy. So there really is. <laughs> our, our budget's around $5 million um, okay. all in. So that, that'll give you an idea. Yeah, no, that's great. So as we settled in on a, a topic for our discussion today, we, we wanted to focus on how the Knoxville Chamber went from being more of a membership organization to more of a driver of community economics. So we will dive in much deeper into this conversation and the, the how that happened and what things look like now as soon as we get back from this quick break. Are you looking for a year-round affordable and timely shop local campaign for your chamber or CVB? Look no further. Build a custom Eat Shop Play mobile app with App My Community by visiting appmycommunity.com slash chamberchat. App My Community mobile apps are not just simple membership directory listings. They provide many more capabilities to engage with your community. Provide your residents with a robust events calendar. Partner with a local fair, festival, or farmer's market to provide a schedule, map, and other resources to promote the event. Run a Small Business Saturday campaign any time of the year using built-in scavenger hunts. Allow your membership to communicate directly to their customers via push notifications. Your App My Community mobile app 
will be a unique member benefit, allow you to generate non-dues revenue with sponsorship opportunities, and best of all, provide a valuable resource to your community. Please visit appmycommunity.com slash chamberchat now to receive 10% off your first year of an App My Community mobile app. Oftentimes, Chamber Nation's customers agree that since Amazon is all centralized, then why not their own community, including their professional service providers? Since Chamber Nation includes a full-service membership services department to handle all of your new member onboarding and ongoing support at no extra cost to the members, this is now possible. Once the program is all set up, each member going forward will receive monthly membership ROI reports. The entire community will also have access to community-wide economic development reports that are terrific for supporting grant opportunities, too. With Chamber Nation, not only will you have a membership management system, but also a membership development system all in one terrific package. So save money and be impressed by visiting richardscalendar.com to set up a demo with their CEO or learn more at chambernation.com. Howdy, it's Donna Nowitzki here, CEO of Yifty. Fun fact about local businesses. Did you know that small businesses employ 57% of the U.S.'s non-government workforce? Many of these small businesses are your chamber members. We are here to help you help them. As you heard last week, we do digital gift cards for 500-plus communities, and we call them community cards. Our chamber partners get a custom gift card branded for you that works exclusively in your member stores. The program is free for you and free for your members. We even give you reports so you can tell them how much business you brought them. Sign up for a live Zoom demo with me or one of my teammates at yifty.com demo or email sales at yifty.com. That's Y-I-F-T-E-E dot com. That's it for now. Back to the show. All right, Mark, we're back. Um, so as I mentioned before the break, we're talking today about how the Knoxville Chamber went from being a more of a traditional membership organization to more of a driver of community economics. So tell us kind of what that evolution looked like. Obviously, we know what a kind of a traditional chamber looks like and we see them all over the country. But what was that signal that said we need to get involved with more important work than just the membership and business structures? Well, I will tell you, Brandon, uh, three years ago, we got a new CEO. Our CEO uh, retired and uh, they did a national search and they landed on Mike Odom uh, from the Round Rock Chamber in Texas, who had uh, that previous year had one chamber of the year in their category. Uh, And Mike was a a bright young chamber professional that was really the guy for the job. No, no question about it. Uh, Mike came in and took about six months and went around and met with about 200 stakeholders in our community and 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 asked for real candid feedback from them about, you know, what does the chamber do in our community? You know, what should we be doing? Uh, what kind of value do we really deliver to you as an organization that invests with us or considers itself a member? Uh, and, you know, where is Knoxville, in their opinion, uh, in, in its evolution of growth and success from an economic perspective and came back and set our senior leadership team down. And I, I got to tell you, the, the notes weren't pretty. Um, there were a lot of folks that were confused about our purpose. Uh, they were confused about exactly what they got from their investment with us. 
Um, there were a lot of people that said, you know, we think you're a good organization, you have a good staff. Uh, we know you're doing some good things, but we can't really put our finger, our mind on exactly what it is that that drives the economy going forward and, and, and what you do specifically for our business. Now, we did have a lot of small businesses that said they enjoyed our networking events and our our education oriented events, those kind of things. But but uh, the, the folks that drive the community, the, the larger stakeholders, the banks, the health systems, those kind of folks were 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 really uh, confused about our mission and purpose going forward. Uh, so uh, we sat in the room for several hours and talked about that, what we were going to do. Mike made a statement that I think kind of shocked all of us, and that was that he believed everybody in the Knoxville region uh, deserved an equitable opportunity to be prosperous. And that bit basically means get a job, have a job available if you want one. It's really driven around that. Uh, get an education, put your kids through school, have, a, have, a, have an affordable uh, place to live, uh, be able to get from place to place to do what it, what it is you need to do all those quality of life issues. Now we know that people aren't, all people aren't gonna take advantage of that, uh, but but certainly it should be available to them. And then he asked the question that really catalyzed, to get to your point, what, what changed us as an organization? And he said, can anybody tell me what that has to do with membership? And when he said that, you know, I've been doing this for 20 years now and for 16 or 17 of those years, uh, it was all about membership for me. I was a membership guy. I was all about features and benefits. I was all about the events, all about trying to figure out how to drive more features and benefits to our members. Uh, but when he said that, it resonated with all of us. And I got to tell you, it was a real uh, uh, catalytic moment for all of us to realize that uh, if you're a small business in our community, it really doesn't matter if you're a minority business or or you just have one employee or two employees or whatever else and maybe can't afford and or uh, don't feel comfortable being a part of a big membership organization like ours. You still deserve to have the support you need uh, to be successful in our community. And so it's really not about membership. And so we transitioned at that point over time, over a, about a 18 month period of time away from being a membership organization to an investment-oriented organization that really delivers service to any business in our community that needs it. Uh, so whether it's a small minority business or whether it's a large business, we don't ask you to invest with us to help you. Um, we, we say, what do you need us to do? What are issues that you're dealing with? Let us weigh into them, think about them, vet them, figure out what we can do about them if, if it is something we need to be involved in. And then we rely on people in our community or businesses in our community to invest in that work. Uh, and so that's been the transition that we've made very successfully over the last three years uh, in, into being uh, more of an economic driver and economic development oriented organization, our community versus a membership organization. Wow. That is a bold step, right? I mean, as you look at it, the structure of a chamber, so much of the financing is based on your membership. And if you say, let's step away from membership and the structure can kind of be similar going from membership to investors, but just that approach of what's in it for me as the member, you know, versus you guys going and saying, let us help you. What are the things you need? And then asking them to invest back in the community to be able to help others 
to be able to find that that equal opportunity to to be prosperous. I would be lying to you, Brandon, if I didn't say I was the one person that in this organization that had been here the longest uh, in, in in on the membership side, obviously, uh, that was not uh, really excited about it. To be honest with you, I mean it 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 scared me. It it uh, I was fearful that it might not be received, uh, and and that the communication of it. Uh, would not be received as well as we had hoped it would. But I couldn't have been further from the truth uh, in, in that fear uh, in that our community did realize uh, that there were things in our community that needed work uh, that we weren't focusing on as, as a chamber. And frankly, no one else in the community was. We're talking about attracting the right kind of talent to our region, keeping the college graduates in our community, uh, affordable housing, uh, skilled, you know, make, making sure our high schools and our uh, community colleges were turning out the right kind of skilled labor to meet the needs of the businesses in our community. Uh, broadband access. Uh, during the pandemic, we found out that there were 6,000 households that had children in them in Knoxville that did not have broadband, had no access to broadband access. Uh, and so that's unacceptable, uh, you know, reading and, and lesson planning and doing the coursework they needed to do in the hybrid environment our school system went to. Um, it's unacceptable. So those are not things that the chamber historically were ever involved in. And all of those things are front and center with us now. Right. So I think for a lot of businesses, like you mentioned, you know, they would maybe appreciate the chamber, say you're a good organization, do good work, couldn't put a finger on it, but they might think of the chamber as networking, ribbon cuttings, you know, that forward facing work that you see chambers do all the time. So talk to us more about the messaging of how you went from changing from that traditional view of what a chamber is to more of this more important kind of mission driven work. Well, I, you know, I think uh, the thing that that I was most fearful of is, you know, how will that messaging be accepted? And, you know, are we doing it in the right way? And I, there was no better way during the pandemic as we were making this transition than to get on a Zoom uh, and have conversations with people. And that's what Mike had done. Uh, you know, he had went out and met with those 200 stakeholders. And so, uh, the pandemic offered us this really great opportunity uh, for people to take a few minutes out of their day and get on Zoom and us have those conversations with them about transitioning away from this event oriented features and benefits oriented uh, uh, chamber to uh, an organization focused on things that pra practically no one in our community was was thinking enough about. Uh, and to talk with them through it. So not really just uh, push message down to them, which which in the past was our, our, our more of our model, right? Send them an email, send them a newsletter. Uh, but this was more of that one-on-one, hey, don't you think everybody in our community deserves an equitable opportunity to be prosperous? Uh, will you admit it's hard to find employees? Will you admit your employees are having trouble finding affordable housing? Uh, will you admit that there are the economics in our community are not growing at the rate it should? We need more high wage talent. We need more entrepreneurial uh, activity. Uh, we need more of our bigger businesses doing business with the vendors that are currently in our marketplace. All of those things, as we talked about them and had a conversation, uh, you know, resonate. And so 
what I was fearful of is that that uh, that one-way communication that we were so accustomed to would not be effective. But what we found out was is we didn't have to worry about that because we decided to have conversations with people. And in those conversations, the message resonated. Right. Yeah, we know those one-way conversations often don't even get opened or read. <laughs> so. Yeah, well, our open rates are in the 30% range, right? So uh, 30% of the people are hearing the message on, on average, so. So as you do have those one-on-one conversations with with your members or investors now, do you get some of the feedback that they want some of that traditional chamber stuff still? Some of the networking, some of the events that you guys are traditionally involved with? Did you totally cut them out or are there things that you still maintain? Yeah, you know, I think they would like to have both, Um, you know, and and we talk a lot about the the. the difficulty of being able to manage a staff that needs to do research work and needs to be boots on the ground on these affordable housing issues and these tax issues and these talent issues uh, versus having three or four people inside an organization the size of ours working on events. And so uh, we, we just have to have just as a business, you know, I've, ha- I've had this conversation a thousand times as a business owner, you have to decide what are we going to focus on? And we just don't feel comfortable right now doing both. Now, in the future, may we do a little more events than we're currently doing? And we still do events. They're just around the educational type events or around those ecosystem issues now. We're talking about affordable housing. We're talking about talent attraction, trying to give employees uh, uh, help in regard to how to attract employees and how to retain them. Uh, but but the traditional things, the the networking type events, we just don't do anymore. We we don't do any morning coffees. We don't do any business after hours. Uh, we hope that people will network around these educational issues when we bring them together. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, we we had some negative uh, uh, folks that felt like you know this is just not what I want. Uh, for for my investment or for my membership, and and we have certainly lost some of those smaller businesses. But what we have done is we have offset that investment uh, by great measure with those organizations that historically were never members. And I did that in quotes, uh, air quotes, members of the organization in the past. Uh, Again, small manufacturing facilities, uh, you know, research and development companies, uh, those kind of companies don't have the time and never came to chamber events and therefore weren't members. Those kind of companies are investing in our organization heavily. Um, and when I say heavily, it's not unusual. And, and not, not, not to brag, to be very factual, it's not unusual for us to go meet with a small manufacturing facility. Just did that uh, two days ago, who had never been a member of the chamber and never saw the value of that features and benefits uh, model, who gave us $5,000 as an investor uh, toward the work we're trying to accomplish because it affects his business in a great way. So that's, so I have less $500 members, which yeah. is our, our lowest tier. And I, I have more members and I don't want to say high end, but I would say have more smaller, less than 50 employee businesses that historically weren't chamber members now invested uh, in the organization. Ah, I love that. That answers a, a question I was going to have as far as the funding goes, because you step away from that traditional stuff. And a lot of those are money makers, those non-dues revenue generators. 
So stepping away from you know having a bunch of the $500 members to more of those mission-focused members that really are investing in the work that you're doing is, is a, a big part of it. Um, what other, um, I guess, from the, the budget finance side, how else are you guys funding the work that you're doing beyond the membership? Again, uh, the majority of that funding is coming now from, uh, you know, from targeted funding. So we, we you know, for instance, uh, we have had some folks come to us and say, look, I'm investing X with you is what I can consider my membership dues, my investments. Right. Uh, and, and we don't we call them investments now, as I said, not semantically. It's it. They really are investing in our work, not being a member because, you know, that's just not our model. Uh, but I, we've had a lot of them come and say, you know, my company has a foundation or, or I'm really interested in this certain project that you guys are involved in. And I want to give you some additional funding toward that targeted uh, project. Uh, we, we didn't do that before. You know, we did. We, we normally, you know, we would do sponsorships. Right. But but we didn't have companies come to us and say, hey, I really feel strongly about this project you're doing uh, to increase digital literacy in our minority community and help them get broadband access and give them access to Chromebooks so that they can find a job and help their kids with their lessons. I really like that. So I know I'm giving you $5,000 as my investment, but here's another $5,000 to put into that project. Uh, we That's a new happening for us, right? It's, it, uh, we didn't used to have a lot of people come in our office or call us and say, hey, I'd like to give you more money. Yeah, uh, it, it just didn't happen. Uh, but because of the mission work and because of the projects that we're involved in, uh, that that is happening. And uh, it's refreshing. I mean, it's, it's people want to spend uh, the, the dollars that they've made in their business uh, that have leadership capacity in their organizations. They want to see the community get better. Um, and they want to see those economic issues resolved. Uh, and so it's, it's been, uh, it's been good to see that that kind of, and we still, we still do some signature events. We still do our, our, uh, annual awards for the best businesses in our community. We call them the Pinnacle Business Awards. We still do Endeavor, which is our Young Professional Summit, uh, where we bring them together to understand what's going on in the community and, and how, what, what an important role they play. Uh, we still, still do Peel and Eaton and Politicking, which is our shrimp boil, uh, <laughs> uh political advocacy event. Uh, so we still do those big, we have four signature events that we do. Uh, and we still have sponsorships, but now our sponsorship model is an umbrella sponsorship over one of these ecosystem issues. So we have okay. five issues uh, that that they can sponsor and they sponsor anything that happens in that. If we release a white paper, their name's on it. If we do a, an event, their name's on it. If we have a speaker, their name's on it. So uh, we, we have those five ecosystem umbrella sponsors now. Um and so that that has, again, offset some of that business after hours, morning coffees, uh, education, small education, small business education stuff. Yeah. Right. No, that's great. So this work that you guys are involved with now, it's big work. It's important work that needs yeah. to be addressed. And it, it was being ignored largely. Um, and you guys have stepped in and, and really taken ownership on that. So that's a, a big responsibility because things don't happen. Now the fingers point back to you, right? As, as an organization. 
So my question is, what, what sort of touch points are you having with your investors throughout the year so they can see the work you're involved with? A lot of times these advocacy type you know, topics are kind of hard to see that you know, movement happening because it doesn't happen overnight, right? It's a lot of the research and, and things like that, like you had mentioned. So how do you keep your investors apprised as to the, the progress of the work? A couple of ways. Uh, and, and again, this was new for me. So I'd been at the chamber 16, 17 years before Mike came along. And so we have issued six white papers uh, in the last three years. Uh, we had never issued a white paper before. We had never taken a solid stance on an issue in our community. Uh, even politically, we always tried to ride the fence like a good chamber would, right? Uh, and so we've issued white papers around some of these economic issues, the most recent being uh, transitioning the Knoxville economy into the uh, innovation and digital age, uh, which talks about things like high-wage talent, uh, more entrepreneurialism, uh, more uh, more and better civic furniture, you know, more things for to attract young professionals to our region, uh, and high-growth companies, research and development, life sciences, biosciences, those kind of things. So anyway, so we issue those white papers uh, and we, you know, obviously a lot of people don't want to read white papers. But uh, so usually when we will uh, on our touch points uh, with with our investors, uh, whether it's through our newsletter or just our emails or whatever else, uh, we usually will mention, have you read? Uh, do you know? Maybe a lot of do you know kind of stuff. Did you realize that in our uh, region, uh, we only uh, retained in the last 10 years 4% of people in the 25 to 54 age group? And do you realize what kind of effect that has on our economy? So a lot of that kind of, uh, I guess, uh, what I would call uh, uh, attention-getting statements about were you aware that these things are happening in the community that, uh, again, you know, a lot of people you talk to in our community will say, what's wrong with Knoxville? Knoxville's a great community. We've got a great college. We're actually winning in football now. Uh, you know, uh, what's wrong with Knoxville? Well, the reality is, is we're not growing at the pace of some of our peers and uh, we don't have the uh, the economics that we should have for a community our size and, and with the a uh, assets we have. And so we're looking at Raleigh and we're looking at Greenville, South Carolina. We're looking at Tulsa and we're looking at places like that who have had that high wage talent and and high growth companies locate there. So um, so th those to, to answer your question, I mean, we we ask provocative questions. Uh, that that make them look at some of that, that that information we provide to them. We do a lot more roundtable discussions now than we ever did. It's where we're bringing in different parts of the community together to, uh, it, it, I guess you could say, debate those yeah. issues a little. Um, we we have become more of a convener uh, where we shine the bright white spotlight on an issue uh, and and then bring people in that affect it. Uh, and collaborate and partner with them. You know, Brandon, in, in, in this new world we live in, the hardest part of our jobs is figuring out, do we lead on an issue? Do we follow on an issue? Do we collaborate? Do we get out of the way yeah. on someone that's doing it well and just promote them? That That's a new role for us. But, you know, I think Mick talked about this in the Horizon Initiative with ACCE, 
you know, chambers really can and should be the conveners with all the social political fragmentation in communities. Certainly we have our share of that. And so we now can become that place and that organization that says we should be thinking about this. Now we can figure it out together, but the, the fact of the matter is this is an issue and we've got to deal with it. Right. Now that, that addresses it well. And as you talk about how you have those touch points, those proactive questions, those thought provoking questions, I guess, um, I see you, you can leverage that in several different ways, right? Through a, through a newsletter, through an email, through a, a video post, through a, a social media post, you're able to, it, those are great. I hate using the word teaser, but it gets people interested, right? It provokes their interest where they want to learn more. They want to dive in a little deeper. So I appreciate you sharing some of those examples of how you're helping to stimulate that discussion further. Um, I wanted to ask you if, for those listening, what kind of tip or action item might you have for those listening who want to take their chamber up to the next level? You know, the, the greatest lesson learned, um, you know, we were doing well as a chamber financially um, prior to this, uh, this shift. Uh, you know, I think our community is better now for us having made the shift in a big way. Uh, but that was all catalyzed around listening to our stakeholders. And, and you can't really survey them. You know, we do surveys. I'm not saying that you don't survey, but you can't use like a what I would call the old traditional membership survey. What do you want? What should we do more of? What should we not do any of? Uh, Because I don't think people can have that candid conversation with you about what the real issues that they're dealing with are. Um, and people are not going to sit down and take 30 or 45 minutes on a, on a survey and get deep and top uh, uh, essay type uh, uh, paragraphs for you. Uh, I would just say a really strong tip to any size change, whether you're making this shift or not, is to go on a listening tour and sit down and have uh, open, candid conversations with their stakeholders and uh, be willing to accept that feedback and make decisions based on that, as opposed to sitting in the office in the ivory tower, so to speak, and make decisions based on what you think your knowledge base or your experience tell you. I will tell you, I couldn't be, I couldn't have been further wrong in my perception of what we were delivering to the community and the value of it than what we heard and call it fall on the sword or whatever else you want to call it. I'm glad that we heard the news we heard because I I think our community is better now having realized that we probably weren't uh, as effective in our community as we should have been. Yeah. Well, that's big to admit that too. That, uh, <laughs> well, after 16 see, years, it was tough. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> there was a lot of what I call weeping and gnashing of teeth around that's the right. office for, for <laughs> several months, right? Uh, what do you mean we're not doing it right? What do you mean they don't like it? What do you yeah. mean they don't appreciate it? Yeah. Um, but again, I mean, you know, your customers, uh, you know, a lot of really great organizations, Apple being probably the lead that we all recognize, listen to their customers. and. Yeah give their customers what they want. 
And I'll say the surveys, you don't need to scrap them all together. That might be the, no. the what initiates that listening tour. It gives you that focus on who to go listen to first. And maybe yeah. it's those people that aren't responding to the surveys. Maybe they're the right. ones you need to go listen to first. Yeah, I think the people that we have been the most surprised by are people that were never engaged with us in the past, that, that have given us really good ideas, given us investment, uh, have been more engaged. Uh, in this new uh, model that we have, uh, that that that's been a really pleasant surprise is to see uh, plant managers and owners of small manufacturing businesses uh, weigh in and and become more a part of what we're trying to accomplish. Right. No, that's great. So I like asking everyone I have on the show about how do you see the future of chambers of commerce and their purpose going forward. Well, you know, I think, again, the Horizon Initiative uh, that came out several years ago that uh, Mick was uh, instrumental in, in uh, uh, you know, getting getting together and that Sherry Ann has has certainly continued to press uh, on all of us that it's important to, to look at what the future looks like. I, I would simply say there are a lot of ways that people can engage with chambers and membership organizations and receive the kind of benefits uh, that, that we have driven to them in the past, whether it's, again, small business education or whether it's networking events and things like that. Those can be duplicated by other organizations. What can't be duplicated is uh, finding out what the real core economic issues in your community are and doing research and trying to figure out how to convene the people that can fix those. That is unique for every community. Uh, what's a problem in Knoxville may not be a problem in Chattanooga. Uh, at their, it, they may intersect, and if they do, then you have collaborative opportunities to learn. But I would just simply say the future for us as chambers, and I'm on the backside of it, uh, surely. Uh, the future for us as chambers is to listen and to understand our marketplaces better and affect them in a real way, as opposed to uh, just throwing some features and benefits and services at them and calling that a day. Yeah, gone are the days of being a cookie cutter organization where what you're doing is good for everybody. You need to yeah. listen and customize and and really be willing to pivot. You know, if your work isn't resonating anymore with the needs in your community, take a look at where you do need to be involved. That's right. Um, thank you for, for that insight. Um, so as we finish up here, Mark, I wanted to give you an opportunity to share any contact information for those listening who might want to reach out and learn more about how the Knoxville Chamber went through this transition, and uh, especially those who may have a little cold feet. <laughs> what would be yeah, the best way yeah. for them to reach out and connect? Yeah, and, and I would say, you know, for us, it was about a, a, a two-year process, so it wasn't quick. Uh, so I would just encourage you to go to knoxvillechamber.com. Uh, there's a lot of information about what we're doing there and those white papers exist there. And you can see how we're trying to drive information and, and resources toward our businesses on our website. I certainly am happy to have this conversation in more depth or around specific issues. And so you can reach me obviously at mfield at knoxvillechamber.com. Uh, and I'm happy to, uh, you know, again, send you any kind of printed material that we may have or, or give you any uh, conversation uh, opportunities that you may need to, to help clarify um, and uh, look forward to hearing from folks. 
That's great. And I'll, I'll get your, your email and the, the chamber website and our show notes for this episode. So people can check that out and, and reach out and connect with you. But Mark, I really appreciate you spending some time with us today here on Chamber Tap Podcast. And, and really this transition you guys have made is really something that uh, chambers all over should be looking at. I'm not going to say they shall do it because every community is a little different, but they should be taking a look at what is the, the important work you're involved with and are you still being relevant? And this is a great example of that. So thank you for, for sharing that with us today. I really appreciate it. Brad and I appreciate it. And I appreciate your, your podcast. Uh, you know, we learn from each other. Uh, that's the best way for us to learn is to learn. We don't, there's no sense in us all having to make the same mistakes over and over again. And, and certainly I've learned from so many great chamber professionals and your podcast is another great way to learn from great chamber professionals. So I appreciate it. If you are a chamber professional, please subscribe to Chamber Chat Podcast in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. When you subscribe to Chamber Chat Podcast, new episodes will show up in your podcast app each week as they are released. If you're finding value in this podcast, please leave us a rating and a review in iTunes. But most importantly, please share Chamber Chat Podcast with your colleagues that are in the industry. Have you ever thought about creating a podcast for your chamber? We always hear about how chambers need to be storytellers. What better way is there to tell the stories of your members and the work of your chamber than through a podcast? Your audience is waiting to hear from you as a convener of leaders and influencers, champion for business, and catalyst for change within your community. I just launched a chamber podcast course with the goal to get your very own podcast started within 30 days. Visit chamberchatpodcast.com slash pivot to learn more and to enroll in the Chamber Podcast course today.